Good morning. Hi, Christina. Hi, Megan. How are you? I'm wonderful. Happy Sunday. Thanks. You too. Well, this is an exciting new adventure for IPELRA. We are moving into the 21st century here with a podcast. Yes, we are. And my first ever. So a new adventure for IPELRA and for me personally. One small step for man, one giant step for IPELRA. There you go. Um, so Christina, you are our president-elect for IPELRA. What does that mean? So uh, come October, I will be stepping in the role as president for the board. Um, and that just means that I get to participate with the executive board and uh, continue to make IPELRA the great organization that it is and further our mission and our goals to provide training and excellent resources to local government professionals. Well, you sound well prepared for that. So I guess that's kind of what brings us to this podcast today. We are in an unprecedented time. Um, IPELRA has always been known for providing great resources and in-person training. And now most of us are working from home or socially distanced. How are things going for you? Yeah, it is a different time. Uh, I am also predominantly working from home, and uh, it's, it's been a change, uh, in some ways a welcome change. I'm finding more productive ways to get things done um, and finding that we can work remotely and work from home, which in government is not necessarily the norm, as you know. So um, it's been working out well. I certainly miss the physical or in-person interaction, if you will, with my coworkers on a regular basis and just um, seeing other humans <laughs> besides the one that lives in my home with me. But um, it, so far, it's been working okay. We are getting back to work soon, uh, working towards a phased approach to returning uh, to in-person work. So uh, yeah, how about you? Uh, the same. I, I feel like that phrase when they say um, necessity is the mother of invention, had it not been for this global pandemic, for these unprecedented times, I don't know that we, government would have taken the leap to working remotely, um, creating the, this new normal and remoting in Zoom meetings, and even IPELRA for that matter. We have been um, kind of brainstorming how we're going to connect with our members and uh, now our listeners and, and continue to provide the training and resources that we have and that you are tasked with uh, leading us come October. So I think that is what brought us to this podcast, and I'm excited. I think this will be a new format, a new way for us to discuss some of the topics that um, we're faced with and even new topics and new issues that are coming up each day. Me too, Megan. I think IPELRA for at least a couple of years has talked about doing some sort of a webinar format or looking at other ways that we could provide resources to our members other than our in-person trainings. And uh, to your point, yes, this recent situation, as terrible as it has been for everyone, um, has, has sort of fast-forwarded us past all of our hesitation and concern, and now we're kind of jumping both feet in, and I think it's going to be a new and exciting time. I agree. And the great thing about web, uh, podcasts, rather, is that I have a long commute, so when I am going into the office, I can um, download and listen to things driving into work. If I have a few minutes and I take a walk on my lunch break, it really is um, kind of on-demand information. So I 
my hope for this podcast, at least, is that we have topical, relevant issues that we discuss. And we also have some good basics. You know, we'll cover, I know why Pelra is going to be producing a few webinars coming up um, with some classic information and some uh, new, new opportunities for what we're facing right now. And I hope that this podcast does the same thing. I agree. Uh, I also have a, a longer commute, um, so I'm always looking for ways to engage myself while I'm driving into work and avoid the frustration of sometimes dealing with traffic. Um, and hopefully our members and the people that listen to this podcast will uh, send us some ideas, too, about things that they yes. are wanting to hear from us. And we can help keep that information relevant by getting that kind of feedback. So I am, I think like I said, very excited. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Christina. Um, we want to we want to provide what people need. If there is a subject that you're interested in discussing, if there's a topic that you think iPower can address, um, brainstorm. You can tweet us at iPower. You can send us an email. Our website is www.ipower.org, and you can reach out to us that way. You can also find us on Spotify and the Anchor app. You can. Like Real Time with iPowera, you can send us voice messages. You can request to chat with us, and we can talk with you that way. I think our topic for today that we wanted to discuss was um, something that um, really takes on a new meaning in this day and age, and that's wellness. One of the things that we were going to discuss was whether a wellness program in the workplace is worth it or a waste of time. But I'd like to start with what does wellness mean? What, how would you define wellness, Christina? That's a great start, Megan. Um, I think traditionally, most people think of wellness as your traditional fitness, right? So physical health, um, smoking cessation programs, getting to the gym, um, having gym memberships as part of your employer wellness program. But I've always felt strongly that wellness is more than just the body. It's, it's also your mind and your spirit. There are yeah. a lot of things that uh, that affect us both physically and mentally every day. Um, stress, right, is a, is a big one. I think you hear a lot that stress um, is a huge contributor to both physical ailment, ailments and mental ailments that, um, that affect us all. So whether that's work stress, whether that's family stress, financial stress, and certainly in a time like this where you're seeing record unemployment, um, you're seeing people in um, situations where they're in hospitals or their, their loved ones are in hospitals and they can't even spend that time visiting now more than ever those those stressors um, I think are a big key to that so um, that to me is how I define wellness and it encompasses it sure one thing that sticks out in my mind during these times is just the isolation I live alone and I've always had the daily interaction that I enjoy with my coworkers going to work. And then after work, I have various activities that I participate. And now uh, my organization, we've returned to work. We're working full time. We're still close to the public, but um, we're practicing social distancing. So even though I'm back in the office, I'm really just sitting in my office and still engaging in Zoom calls and, and things like that. So I know the National Organization of Mental Illness, NAMI, has spoken out about just how important human interaction is. And I think that that would fall under wellness, too. Absolutely. And I think that's something we take for granted, especially with all of the advancements in technology and social media. Um, I think you forget sometimes how important having that in-person interaction is to your overall health. And you're absolutely right. These times have brought that to the forefront that 
Um, even as much as you can have those Zoom meetings and still have kind of some of that face-to-face -face with people or go to meetings or any of those other platforms for virtual meetings, um, there is still something to be said for being able to see someone in person and share a coffee with a colleague or have right. a meal with a friend or even just, you know, uh, see people out and about at your local restaurants or your uh, trails or wherever it is that you spend mm -hmm. your time, your free time. So um, I, I think that's absolutely something that we've taken for granted and that's been magnified lately with what's been going on. And I don't know that as employers, we've traditionally um, considered our role uh, in terms of providing human interaction. I think when I think of an employer, when I think of management, you think of um, job expectations, work product, output. Um, but I think a lot of employees are really looking for direction uh, in terms of staying connected. I know in my workplace that we had set up protocols where um, department heads were checking in with staff and just saying, how are you doing? Um, right. And really kind of stepping into the, I hate to say shallow end of the pool, but in a, in a different aspect of what they've done as management. So I think that really drives the question, um, what is the role of the employer in terms of promoting or managing wellness in the workplace? I know that there has been an argument um, that wellness isn't something that employers should, should undertake, that it deviates from our mission, that it's not something um, that really has a place in the workplace. And I think, at least in my opinion, with what we've experienced in the last few months, that it absolutely has a place in the workplace. Right. And I, and I think it goes back to how you define wellness. You know, the, the age-old argument of having an employer wellness program that addresses the potential claims, medical claims or health claims that an employee might have and the associated costs to those claims when um, health conditions go unchecked for such a long period of time. And then there's this sort of return on investment that's expected with either claim dollar um, decline or decline in your health insurance rates and all of those things. But uh, as time goes on, I think that has become less the expectation and not to say there isn't a return on investment. Um, but I think that the traditional thought of return on investment is some sort of savings in dollars. Uh, I think exactly. that's changed. I think there's, there's a bigger return on investment to consider when you talk about the things like employee engagement, when you talk about even just a sense of how much time we spend at work and how much time we spend um, thinking about work and with colleagues, um, the idea of this isolation absolutely becomes an employer issue to, to at least think about and address. And it's funny that you said, um, you know, it's not something that's traditionally been thought of as an employer issue because it's, again, it's not something any of us thought about. We had that human interaction all the time. Right. You go to work, you spend eight, nine, 10 hours a day with your coworkers. Um, so you had that constant interaction. And now that that has been replaced with this more isolated interaction, whether you're still working from home or even if you're in your office, but you're social distancing, just the nature of it creates some of that isolation. So I absolutely think it, it has become an employer responsibility to work through some of those things. And what you identified we've done too. We've had our supervisors or our managers just checking in and asking how people are doing, not just how are they doing their work and whether they're being productive working from home, but just how are you? How are you feeling? Um, and I think that's important. Right. You know what? One thing that comes to mind while we're having this discussion is uh, IPELRA has been 
nationally uh, recognized for our supervisor training. And um, I think on paper, what makes a good supervisor, setting expectations, performance management, those are all um, technical things that I think a lot of people can master. But one thing that we drive home and stress in our supervisor training are those soft skills, are um, you know, moving from good to great, how to really be the full circle manager. And it's connecting with your employees. It is asking about those things. And I know that there is data and research out there that supports this. The number one thing that um, new employees and applicants are looking for isn't necessarily salary. Well, a lot of times, um, corporate line, people tend to think we're going to go where the best, um, the highest raise or the most money or the best benefits. But a lot more people entering the workforce or looking for new jobs um, are looking for an employer that, that goes and does some of these other tasks, that has a philanthropic movement um, accompaniment in the workplace, that has these other programs available and really cares for uh, their staff. I've, I know that you've probably seen the Zilbert cartoons and other um, memes that say people don't leave jobs, they leave bosses. And I think it is a responsibility that we have to um, really look out for our employees. And we're not therapists, we're not doctors, but we want to bring out the best of our, in our staff. And I think caring for them and letting them know that they are a valued member in the workforce um, is important. It is. And, and as you identified, one of the things that we try to drive in our supervisory training is really looking at your employee as a whole person right? I mean, the time right. they spend at work and, and the productivity and, and managing performance and, and all of the metrics in place as a supervisor, those are all important pieces to being a supervisor. But there's also recognizing that people don't generally live in a bubble. We, we have things going on outside of work that sometimes impact or influence how we respond at work. Um, so if, if um, a supervisor really wants to be successful in managing. I think that's a key place to start is recognizing that everybody that's working for them is a person and it's a whole person who has all kinds of things that they're dealing with inside and outside of the workplace. Um, but you're right, we're right. not therapists. And so there's a fine line uh, between becoming a therapist and, and getting too far into people's individual um, health needs that we would not advocate. But it's more just about engaging in conversation and making sure that you notice when an employee changes all of a sudden and their behavior changes and trying to figure out why that happens. And um, that goes back to this entire idea of wellness being more than just get out and exercise or some of the traditional right. ideas with wellness. It's, it's talking about um, making sure that employees are feeling like they're engaged in their environment and that they're working towards the mission of the department and the mission of the organization, which sometimes gets taken for granted. I think a lot of people need a sense of purpose, right? That's why we come to work. Yes, we have to pay bills. And yes, we, you know, we need income to do so. But I think there's also a need for purpose. Government employees go into this field, I think, generally, because you want to contribute to something bigger than yourself. And so it's important to Absolutely. Not, not have that forgotten in the workplace and make sure that employees are seeing that value that they're bringing, um, even in those day-to-day -day tasks, I agree. And I, I think creating a wellness program is an investment in your workforce. Just like you would send someone to supervisory training. I know that I'm looking to develop a um, police writing course so our police can enhance their report writing skills. And I think 
giving a lot of employees are dedicated. I know you and I talked offline before we started this today about how much time we really spend at our job. And to think about on our own, creating um, our own personal fitness um, wellness program um, could be daunting. But to think that if our employer took those needs into consideration, and many do, and they offered something in the workplace, I think it's a win-win situation. Now, do you, where you work, do you have a wellness program? Christina? We do. We have the start of a wellness program. Now there's a lot of different types of wellness programs out there. And like you identified, some are much more robust and have been around for a lot longer. Ours is just starting out. Um, so, but I think going back to talking about what wellness really means, it, it's, it can start as a very small effort. So for those communities that hear start a wellness program and think, oh no, this is going to be a huge undertaking. Right. Um, it doesn't have to be. It can start as simply as working with your supervisors and starting those discussions about um, engaging with employees on a more regular basis. You know, performance goes into that. You look at the, the performance evaluation tool, right? That everybody <laughs> looks forward to every year, I'm sure. Um, but right. that, that's that once a year conversation that you're engaging to talk about performance, but really those, those engagements shouldn't happen once a year. That should be happening all the time. And it should be beyond just what are you doing right and wrong, but what are you aspiring to? What are your goals? What are you looking forward to? What do you like about working for this organization or this department? What are the things that we could do to engage you in your employment more? I mean, that, that's a very, I think, basic way you can even start engaging um, having, I don't mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you. So are you telling me that your wellness program kind of emerged out of employees looking for some sort of program like that, that they were looking for more engagement from their employer? So ours didn't, ours honestly started with, we, we were doing flu shots and the traditional sort of medical things that come into wellness, but as we've talked more and more internally about it, that's, I think that's definitely a direction we want to go. My uh, coworker and I, who we, we make up an HR department of two, <laughs> and uh, we've had a lot of conversations about working with supervisors and doing some more hands-on training with the supervisors um, on a variety of topics, but just to kind of give them the tools to work with employees on that very front line, because you know this, Megan, the supervisors, Mm -hmm. they they play a critical role. Like you identified, most people don't leave their jobs um, for all of the money and the benefits and some of the other things you identified. It's it's usually an issue with their supervisor, and it's usually the immediate supervisor that has the most impact on an employee's day-to-day life at work. So that's a huge part of keeping employees engaged is really working with the supervisors and giving them the tools because what happens a lot of times is supervisors get promoted to these positions and they're, you get the congratulations, you're now a supervisor, but um, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean that all of a sudden the tools get downloaded uh, for how to be a good supervisor. So um, I think that's something that we're looking at as a, a long-term goal of trying to really interact and engage with our supervisors on a more regular basis to start having some of these discussions and look at the the whole. And really maybe pull the workforce and see what they think um, would make a good wellness program. Sure. And the other thing is wellness is not a one-size-fits-all. What a wellness program right. looks like for your organization may be very different for the next. It really depends on what the needs are within your individual organization and what resources you can dedicate to it. Cause that's the other side of the right. coin, right? You have to look at what can you reasonably provide 
you don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. You don't want to overtake something that um, you can't sustain or manage because that's where I've seen a lot of wellness programs fail, regardless of the type of wellness program, um, is when you don't really have strong buy-in um, and commitment mm-hmm. to making it a priority or you take on too much and it's not sustainable. And then what that really does is it just tells everyone in the organization that, oh, this, this effort isn't really a priority. It's not important because we took it up and then right. we abandoned it almost just as quickly. So I think it's really important to start off really giving it some thought and thinking about what does that look like for your organization and where can you start reasonably and grow from there mm-hmm. um, without trying to get too big too quickly. Um, one thing I can say where I work, we started a wellness program and we're a member of IPBC and they make it very easy for us. IPBC is the insurance pool that a lot of communities, um, participate in. And there are, um, other groups outside of IPBC, but they developed criteria for establishing a wellness program. And it was really a blueprint for helping us start ours where we work. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, one of the basic things that we do, it's, they call it a citizen interest survey. So the first component that we took before creating our wellness program was we pulled the masses. We, um, I don't know if, if where you work, you get those emails occasionally from UIC with the graduate students looking to do a project. Mm-hmm. But I get those frequently and I've always wanted to engage them. So I took the opportunity and I, um, responded to that email and we got the UIC graduate students to come and set up um, a a survey monkey. They developed a very in-depth survey and pulled our workplace saying, what does wellness mean to you? What are you looking for from the employer? And one thing that we haven't talked about in this whole discussion of wellness was financial wellness. And a lot of our employees said they would like more education you know, that's finances are a stressor. You want to know, am I going to have enough money for retirement? How much money do I need for retirement? Am I saving enough? Am I taking advantage of the tools that are available to me through my employer? So we really took a lay of the land, surveyed what people were interested in, what they thought would be a good wellness program, and used that to craft our program. Now, the IPBC um, measures the success of your program based on uh, employee participation. And I would agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. The success of any program, you know, you could have one or two people that, you know, is drinking those protein shakes and is super fit. Um, mm-hmm. But what does that mean if the rest of the workforce could care less or isn't engaged? And we've, it's been a slow, a slow move forward for us, but um, we've listened to what employees want and we're starting to bring some programs, some lunch and learns. And um, we, um, our program is gaining speed. It is gaining speed. And it's, um, it's not, it's still in its infant stage. We were about three years in here. And uh, one thing we did that, uh, that has been really helpful is we partnered with an outside agency. And now we have a web-based platform that we can track our wellness points, that we can communicate with our staff. A lot of people have purchased Fitbits and they can track their steps and we give points and, and awards for things like that, but it's cloud-based. So um, employees who are even hourly employees that don't have access to a computer or a cell phone after work, they can access the wellness portal through their phone, through their um, Fitbit watch, things like that, and really um, have it be full circle in their lives. That's great, Megan. Yeah. And we, in a previous organization I worked in, we started a wellness program and we got a lot of the same input was that people were concerned mm-hmm. about 
financial well-being and just going back to you can start small and it can be a, you know a reasonable investment uh, and, and we're talking reasonable like the cost of maybe some um, snacks and you know bottles of water to have a right. uh, a little seminar uh, in local government we are very lucky that we have a lot of resources available to us most organizations um, have IMRF representatives they have um, mm -hmm. the ICMA 457 or any other 457 plan. Those folks usually have representatives in the area that are local, and they would love to come out and talk to your population. Uh, we had people come out. We did a, a whole like half-day financial seminar where we had each group come out and talk for about an hour, and it was just an education campaign. It was, you know, did you know that your IMRF pension includes XYZ and that you need to make sure your beneficiary information is up to date. And, um, yeah. you know, here's, you know, we offer these retirement seminars. So if you're getting ready to retire, if you're within, you know, two or three years of retirement, come to the, the seminars that we offer in the area. And it was just providing that, that sort of education about what the plans offer. And funny enough, a lot of our employees at that time learned that there was that additional voluntary contribution that you could make right. to IMRF that has the 7% return on investment. And they had no idea that that was even available to them. So um, you're right. Wellness comes in a lot of different ways. And that's a, a very low cost way to an employer to provide some of those financial resources uh, to help people prepare for their future. And I, I, I agree with you. I think it's almost like that stone soup analogy. We didn't have any money when we were starting out. And one of the benefits um, in the IPBC wellness program is there is uh, a rebate. Mm -hmm. uh, you all, when you join IPBC, part of your membership includes this wellness fee. And if you engage um, X number of employees, you get a portion of that fee back. But for those communities who don't have something like that, I think if you energize and engage the population, even brown bag lunches, like you said, it doesn't cost anything to have your ICMARC rep or IMRF rep on site. People bring their own, um, their own lunches, and then they have these educations. As an employer, you're providing time. You're providing a workspace for them to learn about these things. And um, we've done things like we had a wellness, a, a midnight breakfast for our police. I think a lot of the times um, some of those overnight shifts uh, miss out on some of these programs because they're often during the day. And mm -hmm. it was kind of a fun thing to have our employees come in. We did it on, on a a Friday night, coming at midnight with a casserole, something like that, you know, quasi health, health food and, and um, serve our serve our police force there that are the changing of the guard there. So there are different ways to engage the workforce and you don't need a lot of overhead. And again, if you can make the case, if you have if you're a member of a consortium like we are, and you have that rebate, um, you can use those funds to direct towards your program or um, if you start seeing an improvement or um, engagement in the workforce, you can direct, perhaps direct the city administrator or the, the council to dedicate even some small funds to, right. to a wellness program. And work with your uh, local taxing districts. I mean, they're a great resource, the park districts, right. the library districts. In a lot of cases, right. they may already have some of these resources in place. And one of the previous places I worked, we partnered with the library and we actually did a um, a lunchtime activity where we had someone come in and they showcased four different healthy recipes that were super quick and easy that anybody could learn in a half hour period of time. They passed out samples of everything that they made. 
Um, and it was a great event and it, it was engaging and it was fun. And um, someone who maybe felt overwhelmed by the idea of cooking for themselves or cooking healthy because they didn't really know how to do those things. They were recipes that were minimal ingredients that could be really just done by anyone uh, who's willing to learn. So, and we partnered with our library to do that and, and they helped us find mm -hmm. that resource. And it was, there was really very little cost um, other than maybe some supplies uh, and time, as you said. So um, don't forget that you have those resources available. A lot of other community groups have done this, your local neighbors. I mean, that's the, the real benefit right. of being a member of IPELRA is that we all talk to each other and you have this this network of individuals who've all had different experiences and some have been doing wellness for a long time, um, reach out. They can guide you through that process and help you get started and give you ideas on just ways to do it on a very low budget to start out. And then once you build some momentum, I think then there's an ability to talk about maybe a longer term budget. And if that's not a possibility, because some communities don't have that available, there's lots of ways to do it at a low cost. You mentioned the IPBC, but even if you're not an IPBC, Blue Cross, UHC, a lot of the big carriers right. out there, they offer all kinds of resources. Talk to your broker, talk to your representatives from the different carriers and see what they offer. Sometimes there's wellness dollars or incentives that they have available to you that people don't know exist um, and they can help you get mm -hmm. started um, they have platforms where you can track activity and use that as a place to to kind of get those points going and um, offer some sort of incentive to your employees to participate. There, there's a lot of resources. When wellness first became a topic, um, we we're all kind of scrambling to figure it out. But over the last decade, there's just the the resources are are all over the place. You can partner. If you have a local fitness center, sometimes they offer incentives for organizations uh, to offer membership to their employees at a discounted rate. There's all kinds of things that you can, um, you can do to start out that would not be a huge expense to the organization. Yeah. One thing you said that I, that really struck a chord with me is that I think a lot of times um, we in government maybe feel like, oh, we don't have the resources or we just don't have the budget that for-profit companies have. But you're absolutely right. We have partnerships. Will County, where I work, we our health department has a program on diabetes. They have a whole program that they are invested in giving to the residents, to member communities to educate them on type 2 diabetes. So that's not going to cost us anything to engage the health department and bring them on. And you're absolutely right. The park district, schools, the library, right before we sheltered in place, our organization was getting ready to have a dodgeball tournament at um, the local school. Everyone was excited. We were had invited employees and their families, and um, it was going to be a, a kind of family fun event, moving around, um, exercising different levels and Again, no cost to anyone. Absolutely. And uh, that's, I think, one of the greatest benefits of working in, in government, of being an IPELVA member, is those relationships already exist. Um, and and that don't take that for granted because <laughs> that has a lot of value. We are able to share information and resources in a way um, that sometimes isn't available to the private sector. So that's a, a really great benefit. Um, and again, no cost. One thing, Megan, we haven't touched on is is sort of the wellness of the spirit. And um, you kind of brought this uh, up with, with the tournament you were just talking about, but 
Another option is also getting together a volunteer day or a volunteer mm -hmm. evening. Um, that's if that's something that you think your population would engage in. Um, that's always a great opportunity. I know locally in DuPage County, um, you know, we have lots of um, opportunities to donate and to volunteer. They have programs at the county level. There's DuPage pads, um, all kinds of things. So, and they would love to have an organization say to them, hey, we'd like to put together an event. Can you help us? And they have tons of resources, blood drives. I mean, there's right. so many things that, right. so many things you can do beyond um, you know, installing a fitness center in your city hall and spending, you know, thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars buying equipment that, um, you know, that isn't something that most communities can likely afford. So um, right. that that isn't your only option. There's a lot of ways to encourage some wellness and um, going back to activities that spark camaraderie. There's nothing like volunteering with a group of coworkers to help spark that camaraderie. And right now, um, social distancing is still something that we need to be doing. Um, but I would guarantee a lot of those organizations have figured out ways to still have programs and be able to social distance. So those are other resources that you can reach out and talk to and figure out how can we do this. Another option, if you have a low or no budget for something like wellness, look at something that you're already doing that's, that is budgeted. A lot of communities do employee engagement events or holiday right. um, lunches or celebrations, you could always incorporate something into one of those already existing events um, and mm -hmm. maximize your budget by doing that. So um, there are lots of ways to do it. But I think, Megan, going back to your point, first, you really have to kind of focus in on what is it that is of importance to your organization and where will you get mm -hmm. the most return on investment? I think I think you're absolutely right. Uh, talking about spirit too, I was listening to um, the newscast this morning, and um, a lot of people are reaching out. This this is an unprecedented time. We're in a global pandemic. Pandemic. There's a lot of demonstrations taking place on our streets, and and employees and people want to know how can I help? What can I do? So I think volunteering in your community um, and under the umbrella of uh, of your employer organization is absolutely something we can do. We can band together and we can pick up litter. We can take a broom out to the streets. We can um, plant flowers. There's all sorts of things that we can do. I know our wellness program, we, we do give money um, if, or not money, we give, we award points if you do volunteer in the community, you know, at a soup kitchen or elder check-in, um, cleaning up the community. We, we offer wellness points for donating blood. So I think those, those things are, a great way to engage the workforce. And I think there's many more. Unfortunately, I think we're running out of time for today's show, but um, we are interested in what our listeners think. If you have any great ideas, suggestions, want to add to our conversation, or you're already a member of an organization that has an outstanding wellness program, tweet us at IPELRA. That's the at symbol I-P-E-L-R-A, or log on to IPELRA.org and send us an email. You can find this podcast on Anchor and Spotify and other platforms uh, in the future. Favorite us. Share us with your friends. Again, reach out to us. Let us know what topics you want to hear us cover on the show and how we can meet your needs, how we can engage you in the conversation and what IPELRA can do to support you now and, and going forward. Uh, Christina, um, this has been great. This is an, our, our inaugural podcast. So I will sign off. I'm Megan Falera and this is Real Time with IPELRA. And with me today is Christina White. Thanks, Megan. I had a great time. Thank you for including me. Oh, my pleasure. Have a great day.